It makes a huge difference as a performer to, to hear the appreciation from the audience. It's very fulfilling and makes you realize that you either did a good job or not a great job. But I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to this is now my role debut. It wasn't supposed to be my role debut. So I'm looking forward to finding out more about about the lady and and delving deep into the character because she really is a is um a jump into unknown waters for me in a way. I'm Keith Conrad, and this is Bring Up the Lights, a podcast where I'm giving you a look behind the curtain at the people involved in creating some of the biggest stage productions in the United States. This season, I've been following along with the Lyric Opera of Chicago as they prepare for their production of Verdi's opera Macbeth in September of 2021. We finally reached opening night, which in the case of Macbeth was September 17th, 2021. Sandra Radvanovsky took the stage as Lady Macbeth along with the rest of the cast and chorus. It was the culmination of four years of working and planning that was nearly derailed by a global pandemic, but it finally happened. Obviously, Sandra has her own personal backstory. So I was, I am a Chicago native, yay, born in Berwyn and lived in Berwyn and Cicero for the first few years of my life, then moved out to St. Charles. And when I was about five years old, um, my mom bought me a record player, Karen Carpenter, the Carpenters. The greatest hits and I started to sing along with it and then I started harmonizing with it and my mom thought a five-year-old singing along with Karen Carpenter uh, this girl has some gift you know and so church choir and all of that later you know I love the the church music which I find very similar to operatic and classical music in the composition of it all and uh, so to me it was a natural step from church and choir church choir music to opera and I saw my first opera on on TV everybody's heard this <laughs> with Placido Domingo when I was 11 and that was it I I was bitten with the bug of of opera and uh yeah, it became my obsession and my passion. Karen Carpenter notwithstanding, Sandra was always drawn to the opera. Well, okay, besides Karen Carpenter. Right, right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, always opera. Always classical music, uh, art song, a little bit when I was learning how to sing at 11, 12, 13 years old. But I sang my first aria probably when I was 13. Voi che sapete, because I started as a mezzo and then transitioned up to sopranos slowly, probably when I was around 17, 18 years old. Yeah, it was just, it was my love of the music and not just the music, but being able to transform yourself into this other person while you're on stage was very fascinating to me. And I, I loved it. Despite obvious talent, a career in singing was not actually an obvious choice for Sandra when she was in school. Well, funny story, and I haven't told this one very much. Um, when I went to university, I went to USC in California. 
And I w- was also a professional flautist. Like I was first chair flute in high school and all of that. And I loved playing flute as much as I did singing. And so my mom said to me, well, you know, what do you want to do? Because at that point, my father had already died. And she said, you know, you have to choose one. And she said, which do you love more? And I literally took a quarter, flipped it up in the air, and I said, heads it's singing, tails it's flute. <laughs> Thank God it came up singing. <laughs> because I had a full scholarship to, to USC for music. And they said, either or. And uh, thank God it came up singing. And that was it. That was a moment I knew, okay, this is, I believe a lot in destiny and I believe in fate and things happen for a reason. And that was the moment when I said, right, this this is happening for a reason. It's, it's what I'm supposed to do. And that was the moment that I really said, I can do this. How do you go from having talent to being good enough to do this for a living and also being one of the best in the world at what you do. You know, I, I've decided, right, if I'm going to do something, if I'm going to do one thing, I will, if I'm going to do something, I want to do one thing really well. Mm-hmm. And then I had a voice teacher that really cemented that thought. Um, I studied with Marcel Sanguer, a f- famous French baritone, uh, when I was in USC and afterwards. And he said to me, right, if you're going to do this, that's probably the one moment. If you're going to do this and if you're going to be a soprano, like your voice, you have to be the best soprano that there is out there. He said, or go, do, or go do something else. And that was a moment that it was like, right. Yeah. I have to get my poop in a group and I really have to choose this path and go down that road or choose another road. And I loved it so much. And he said to me, you know, good news, bad news. Which do you want first? And I said, well, good news. And he said, you're going to have a career. And I said, great, eight, 18 years old. What's the bad news? You have no idea how hard it is. And I can't even imagine kids nowadays, 18 years old, the difficulties that they're facing right now. I can't. There's a lot more ways to like get your get your stuff out there and for people to find you. It's true, but there's a lot more content out there than too. Yeah, a lot more competition. Um, and, I, and I also feel, and call me old-fashioned, but I feel that the human voice has to be heard live. You know, the Met had this, um, Metropolitan Opera in New York had this whole ad campaign, the voice must be heard. And they're right. The human voice needs to be heard live. It's just not the same on YouTube. It's just not the same over Zoom. The sound is compressed. Even the sound that people are listening to my speaking voice, it's a compressed sound. And it we can never recreate the visceral feeling of the human voice hitting your body, hitting your breastbone and resounding off of that, bouncing off that because, you know, your breastbone is a hard thing. Like, it's just the way the human voice is. So, yes, they have more opportunities if that's the route that they want to take. I personally don't want to because my voice doesn't record the same. Larger voices, it's very difficult mm-hmm. um, to get the overtones, to get the true quality of the voice on Zoom, on the Internet, all of that. Even on, for me on CDs, not the same. 
As we learned in the first episode, Sandra was more directly affected by COVID than anybody else we've talked to in this series. But she has been able to find some positives in the whole experience. I hate to say that there have been positives because of all the people who have lost their lives and their lives been affected by it with their health, because that has been unbelievable. And, and the amount of people that I've lost, friends, acquaintances, people in the music business, uh, in the arts, um, it's been horrific to our art form. But there, yes, there has been a silver lining in that I was utterly burnt out and to the point of asking my manager for a year sabbatical. Um, because, you know, you get on that little hamster wheel and you just keep going around and around and around and around. And at some point you can't keep going around and around and around. And I was ready to jump off of it. And COVID did it for me. Yeah. And it was the first four months were glorious. I didn't sing a note for four months. Nothing. And anytime I did try to sing, I would just start crying. And I said, well, this is the break that you needed. My voice needed it. My body needed it. My mind needed it. My soul needed it. It was just, I wasn't loving what I was doing anymore. And when you get to that point, you know that you need to step away for a little bit. So that was for me a silver lining. And also starting my YouTube podcast as well. We're now on everything. I'll, you know, Apple everything uh screaming divas with my girlfriend carrie alkema we started that because she and i were talking every day going how you feeling what you what you thinking today you know how many times have you cried today what news did you hear today and and our husbands both of our husbands just said you too we'd like stop already you should you should make a show or something and carrie and i both said make a show Yes, we'll do that. Not knowing anything about how to edit, how to, none of the four, social media. I mean, the, and that's the other silver lining for me was learning social media, learning how to edit videos, learning how to post things on Facebook and Instagram and YouTube. And, and uh, you know, I'm 52 and that, you know, I'm like a different generation. So it was a steep learning curve, but we had time. We had time. We had time. And we had lived in our house for 11 years and I wasn't there when we moved in. Um, and we're normally home about three or four weeks of every year, but not all together. And, uh, the stuff I have for Goodwill right now is amazing, but they're still close. So cleaning out and, and it was very cathartic. It was cleaning out, not just our house, but my life and my brain and, and everything. Macbeth was four years in the making for the Lyric Opera of Chicago. So when did Sandra join the process? Well, it's different for every singer. I will tell you that. Um, Macbeth came about with actually Anthony Freud saying, what would you like to do? And I said, I would love to do Macbeth. And he said, I think you would be fabulous in Macbeth. It's a great role for you. So I was very fortunate in that 
he asked me what you want to do instead of the normal way that, that things usually happen is the theater says, calls your agent and says, listen, we want to put on a production of Macbeth. We would love to have Sandra be the lady. Um, is she free in this period? Whereas in this instance, it was kind of, well, when is Sandra free? Uh, kind of tailor made for me. And I'm very, very fortunate for that because I have such a great relationship with the lyric. And we, you know, I've done so many roles here. So then what happens is they hire a director, in this instance, David McVicker, whom I've worked with so many times. And I actually kind of said, I would really love David to do this. And Anthony Freud and I, you know, we went back and forth. And so we found a time and then, and then you work from there. You know, usually Macbeth is hired first. And we originally had Lucas Alsi do it, but he had difficulties getting into North America. So that's what we're finding right now during this pandemic is... There's going to be a lot of cast changes, I think, for the next year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, getting a visa is impossible, and I think opera houses are going to have to rethink how they cast, especially here in North America, mm-hmm. in the United States in particular. So, and then when you when you decide, okay, right, we're doing Macbeth. Uh, it's usually about three or four years out, and you start working on it. David starts creating the production, his concept. Uh, he has to build a set. He has to build costumes. You have to find a budget for the production because you know you can have a huge, elaborate production, or you can have something that's more economical. And um, it might change midstream. And I think that this production had to change midstream a little bit financially because of the pandemic as well but it's a fascinating process and uh putting it's like um taking a puzzle box and dumping all the pieces on the table and then trying to figure out how it all fits together because there's so many moving parts you know and with covid you're doing it uh, over a zoom call yeah, over Zoom call, yes. <laughs> and then and then some of the pieces that used to fit don't fit anymore. Um, and this is a question that Carrie and I and Screaming Divas have asked repeatedly to the general directors that we've interviewed. Because uh, we've interviewed pretty much every general director of all the major U.S. opera houses. Um, are you going to have to hire more North American singers? And unanimously, it's been yes, which is a good thing, though, because I think this the United States lets hire American singers, you know? I talked to Sandra at the beginning of September, right before opening night. What is the process like now that the production is in the home stretch? David uh, McVicker is a very intense director and rehearsal director. He loves specifics. But this production is flying along. Normally, today is day three of rehearsals, and we have staged the whole first act. And normally, David is, you know, a little slower and meticulous, but it seems like he's very happy with with how things are going. So day three, 
one act out of four staged, I think we're doing really well. Yeah. It's, it's very straightforward, this production. It's one big unit set that, you know, has different machinations to it, different combinations with, with the set. I can't give too much away, but it's really beautiful. And David really did an amazing job with this, as he always does with all of his productions. I am a big fan of David McVicker, if he didn't know <laughs> His Rusalka that he did here is probably one of my favorite productions that I've ever done. Um, and it's going really well. Uh, we get Maestro on Friday. He unfortunately couldn't be here for the first few days. Um, but then we are all here working together uh, as a team unit, working away on the music, working away on the staging, and making this, I am sure, something very special. I have a feeling. Everyone in the room has a feeling. Not just because of who's in it, but it's the first opera back for the lyric mm -hmm. after 18 months. And there's a, f there's a special feeling in the room with everybody, with the chorus, with all the music staff, with, with all the singers. It's just great. Grateful and gratitude is abounding in the room. So now that this is finally happening, what is Sandra looking forward to the most when it's time to take the stage in front of a real-life audience? Hearing applause. You know, it's it's silly. I, I as I said, I'm I'm very fortunate that I that I did get to sing, but most of the things I did over in Europe were recorded, so there was no audience. And the first time that I actually heard applause again was after I had done a lot of these recorded things. And you, you really pause and you go, wait, what, 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 what's that noise? <laughs> but it makes a huge difference as a performer to, to hear the appreciation from the audience. It's very fulfilling and makes you realize that you either did a good job or not a great job, but I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to, this is now my role debut. It wasn't supposed to be my role debut. So I'm looking forward to finding out more about, about the lady and, and delving deep into the character because she really is a, is a, a jump into unknown waters for me in a way because I normally play more the you know, Leonora and Trovatore and Tosca. And this, this woman is completely different. So I'm just looking, looking forward to seeing how it all turns out, but mostly just seeing people, seeing people in the theater it, with the orchestra in the pit, with a conductor, you know, no, no social distancing because the only audiences I've had have been socially distanced still. So hearing a full house of applause, yeah, there's nothing like it. Macbeth ran at the Lyric Opera Chicago from September 17th to October 9th, 2021. 
It wasn't a normal production thanks to COVID, but the team did pull it off and within days they were on to the next production. In addition to getting to know people like Sandra and chorus members on the stage, in this series I tried to shine a light on the people crucial to the success of any production that most people in the audience will probably never hear about. I hope to bring more of these stories to you in future seasons. Bringing Up the Lights is an original series from Sound Concept Media. It's written and narrated by me, Keith Conrad, with original music from John Benedek, along with the Lyric Opera Chicago's 2010 production of Macbeth. Along the way, I had lots of help from the team at Lyric Opera of Chicago and Elizabeth Newkirk with the Silverman Group. 